Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone you just end up living with it i don't think so verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one you break it we upgrade it you dunk it doggy bone it <laughs> slam it wham it strawberry jam it we upgrade it get a 5g phone on us with select plans every customer current new or business because everyone deserves better and with plans starting at just 35 dollars, better cost less than you think Hey, folks, today is Monday, December 20th, 2021, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Uh, Omicron uh, variant responsible for 73% of all new COVID cases. Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Cory Booker, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, yours truly, all tested positive for COVID over the weekend. And we'll talk with two of our experts uh, about this new variant and why is it so contagious and why is it spreading so fast all across the country? Uh, speaking of spreading fast across the country, uh, the stupidity of West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin is on full display. He went on Fox News yesterday to say he was voting against uh, the Build Better uh, Back plan. Well, the B- or the BBB plan for President Joe Biden. The White House not happy at all, lighting into him. What is next for the country when it comes to uh, this very issue? That's one of the things that we're going to be covering uh, on uh, today's show. Uh, also, uh, we'll be breaking down, folks, uh, on, on, to, on today's show. Uh, what also is happening on Capitol Hill, the battle over voting rights. That continues. This battle continues for voting rights. And so the question is, can you actually get a bill passed? Senator Chuck Schumer has made it clear he is going to move forward uh, with bringing it to the floor. But the problem you still face, a Senator Joe Manchin, a Senator Kristen Sinema, they have both made it clear they're not going to roll back the filibuster. And so where do we stand when it comes to that? That's one of the issues we'll be talking about. Also discussing the uh, equal uh, the uh, equal act. Uh, uh, that's one of the issues we're talking about there as well. Plus uh, a the jury in the Kimberly Potter case. That's, that is, of course, the former cop who shot and killed Dante Wright. It is now in their hands. We're going to give you an update on that as well, folks. A lot we're going to be talking about right here on today's show. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. 
folks uh, the world health organization says the omicron variant is spreading faster than the delta variant and is it causing infections all across uh, the world even folk even those who are vaccinated who have previously recovered uh, from the virus a lot of new mandates coming down the mayor of washington dc uh, muriel bowser has reinstated the indoor mask mandate declaring a state of emergency as a result of a record number of new infections uh, also, uh, there are booster mandates in D.C. Uh, as well. Uh, folks, uh, it begins uh, tomorrow and it's going to go through January 31st, 2022. Now, here's where we stand uh, in terms of the overall numbers. 52 million reported cases of coronavirus. Folks, uh, since this uh, pandemic started, 827,343 people have passed away as a result of COVID-19. Now, according to the CDC, 61.4% of the population in the U.S., they are fully vaccinated against COVID. Now, remember, fully vaccinated means two shots. Now they're talking about adding the whole idea of the booster to now actually meaning uh, fully vaccinated. When you add that in, that number drops in, in a, significant, a significant way. So what is it about Omicron that makes this thing so different? Joining us right now, Dr. Tyson Bell, a critical care and infectious disease specialist from the University of Virginia. Dr. Joseph L. Graves, Jr., Professor of Biological Sciences at North Carolina A&T. Glad to have uh, both of you uh, on today's show. Uh, so, Dr. Bell, uh, I'll start with you. Uh, this is um, the, what, what, what Omicron is doing is, is, is shocking. Frankly, uh, a lot of folks who say they, they did not expect to see uh, it to be this contagious. Um, I posted this on the social media. Uh, I tested positive on Saturday after testing negative on Thursday. Uh, and when my symptoms started on Wednesday, uh, my doctors traced it back to essentially I probably was infected when I was on vacation in Hawaii. And so, so I want to ask you that because, uh, again, a lot of people, we, we have all of these people who have, who have thrown all kinds of different stuff out. And so uh, let, let, let's sort of d deal with that. When, how, how are you tracking when you think someone may have uh, caught uh, COVID? Is it 10 days back from they first having symptoms? Exactly, exactly how do you all make that determination? Uh, well, good question, because uh, it is, you can't really tell uh, what variant you may be infected with based on symptoms alone. And right. uh, the testing very important, right? So uh, depending on if you have symptoms, that's your day zero, so to speak, or when they start, or if you don't have symptoms, it starts from when your test was positive. Uh, so that's when that quarantine period starts. But uh, there's not really a, a, a symptom that would make one think that you have Omicron versus Delta. Frankly, they're both problems. So um, you know, it would start from either symptoms or your test. But is this also part of the problem? Because so perfect example, um, I had a scratchy throat 
uh, on um, Wednesday. We did we did the show on Wednesday from Atlanta about nine fifteen. I said, "Man, give me something to drink." I said, "My, my throat is scratchy." Uh, and then you know went back to our Airbnb. Uh, woke up. Uh, I had uh, I, I had some chills. I took a t- took a t- took a uh, home kit test. It was negative. Take the next test thirty six hours later. Um, we, we have a staffer who actually diagnosed with bronchitis. Then, of course, uh, again, clear, but all of a sudden over the weekend, test positive for COVID. You have some others who say they, they think it's allergies or they, they think it's a cold. Uh, and so it, it's sort of like it just it's just difficult, folks, to understand that if that all of a sudden if, if you get a symptom, folks are saying, well, OK, what do I do? Do I immediately shut down? Do I immediately isolate? If I like, like in my case, I had a symptom, but then I test negative. So. What does a person do? Right. And, and uh, it, you actually, that's a, it goes to an important topic that there are some signs with some of the rapid tests that in the early days of Omicron, they may not be as good as picking up on infection. Uh, so the PCR or the laboratory tests, that's the one that um, you might have to go to a clinic or um, a doctor's office for. That's the one that's the most sensitive. That's the gold standard. So if you have symptoms, um, and that rapid test is negative. I wouldn't necessarily say that um, we're done with it. I would try to get that follow-up test. And see, and so I'll give you a perfect example. So I'm in Atlanta. I'm I was calling all around, could not find a location to get that PCR test. Uh, the, where we are right now in this country, uh, we, we're seeing massive lines all across the country. We're seeing uh, home kits being sold out. Here we are. Uh, about to go into 2022 and frankly we as a country still have not uh been properly positioned to confront this pandemic i mean the fact that people are i'm talking about i'm seeing videos of people 100 200 300 people in line uh cars backed up uh, uh you know unable to, uh, to find locations i mean we are still behind the eight ball on this for some reason I mean, there's a lot of uh, blame to go around. I, I would add in addition to the lack of rapid testing for everyone. Uh, we don't have the sequencing capability that other countries like in, in the UK have in order to even pick up on the Omicron variant. So uh, there's a lot of, of things that we need to be doing better and, and uh, expanding rapid testing is definitely one of them. Um, doctor, uh, first of all, Dr. Gray, I wanna bring you in. So when we had you on last year, one of the things that, that, that you made clear uh you made clear was that look uh you're gonna have these variants so what exactly is the omicron variant um and when i see this story to say uh, the wall street journal had a story right before i came on that 73 percent of all cases are now omicron variant first of all how do you know that and what makes this so different the only way you would know that is by sequencing um the patients and as Dr. Bell pointed out, in the United States, our sequencing efforts are really not up to snuff. Um, but what we do know at this point is that the Omicron variant is five times more transmissible than the Delta variant. And the Delta variant was very transmissible. And so, uh, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record because you and I have been having this conversation since the beginning of this pandemic. And I have consistently warned people that unless we drove down the number of infected individuals in the United States and worldwide, 
we would continue to see the evolution of new variants. And in the case of the Omicron variant, there are close to 400 um, mutations in the spike protein. And that's why um, it's, on one hand, more transmissible, but it comes at the expense of being less virulent. But that's not a reason to celebrate because it's still quite deadly, particularly for people who have pre-existing conditions. And also the Omicron variant has the capacity to continue to evolve such that it may retain its transmissibility, but also then gain the sort of virulence that you see in the Delta variant. And so, you know, we're back to square one on some really basic things, which are people in the United States need to begin to take COVID seriously. And if we don't, if we continue to be a culture of, of chicken little, you know, uh, actually there's a wrong analogy, I'm looking for uh, the ostrich with his head in the sand, um, this is going to continue and more and more people are going to die. It's really that simple. And, and okay, so what you laid out there, and so if it is, if it is, you know, and first of all, why is it five times more uh, um, uh, contagious? Um, and, and, and with that, the case, and look, I mean, I've gotten text messages from people, um, other individuals who are prominent, who have actually tested positive, who have not gone public like I have. Uh, and, uh, and I mean, I've, I've had folks who said they've been at other events and then next thing you know, these things have turned into super spreader events. Uh, and so for people out there, okay, what should we be doing though? What exactly should we be doing? Well, it's easy to explain what we should be doing. And, and that's, again, people uh, in public health have been making these arguments for a, for a long time now. And that is we need to continue with mask mandates. Um, we shouldn't be gathering large groups of people, particularly with the Omicron variant now beginning to, to take over um, COVID transmission. We should not be gathering large groups of people in closed spaces. It's just it's, it's just the wrong idea. And once again, Roland, I hate to say it, but we're, we're, we're at a place where folks are thinking that their money is more important than people's lives. And so they don't want to face the hard truths of this is a very dangerous virus that will continue to evolve and may get even worse than it currently is, either with regard to its ability to transmit or its ability to make people really sick. So unless we are willing to say that we as a nation are going to take the political and moral um, courage it takes to put an end to this pandemic, we're going to keep going on this merry-go-round of things getting slightly better, and then everybody wants to open up, and then all of a sudden a new variant comes along, and then we're back in crisis mode. I mean, here in North Carolina, hospitals are already beginning to fill up with Omicron cases and, and New York yesterday had over 21,000 cases. So it's this lack of a consistent policy and it's a lack of this willingness to basically do what's right with regard to the health and well-being of people in the United States and around the world, which keeps us coming back to these conversations. Um, and again, I feel like I'm a broken record but this is a record that's going to keep playing as long as people are unwilling to do what we need to do to stop this pandemic. So Dr. Tyson Bell, when we talk about, okay, how do we deal with it? Okay. So I just took my temperature is 97.9 last week. It, uh, it spiked to a fever 
of about 103. Um, while in Atlanta, I took the uh, monoclonal antibody infusion. Okay, so we were talking about, if we're talking about um, healing from this, um, and, and I can tell you for folks, you, they can actually hear my voice. Uh, in many ways, this feels like when I had when I, when I have allergies. Okay, stuffy nose, uh, some congestion, uh, don't have fatigue, don't have any of those things, and so so here I am. In my, in my, luckily, I got a studio in my basement, uh, so I'm here. Um, wife's upstairs, so I'm, I'm I'm locked off. So what is this then? Period. So let's say okay, people people all of a sudden becoming positive. Uh, how how long then should they simply be self isolating? Um, what's that process? Uh, and, um, how does one know you're getting better? What, uh, what, what then happens? Right. So the, the recommended isolation period is 10 days if you're positive. Uh, so that would either be 10 days from when your symptoms started, or if you didn't, if you did not have symptoms, 10 days from your positive tests, you don't have to be completely better, but you should have your fevers. Uh, they should be gone by that point. You should generally feel your energy starting to come back. Again, you might not be at 100%, but if you're on that road to recovery, if you're on the men and your fevers are gone without taking things like Tylenol or Advil or Motrin, um, then that's a, that's a sure sign that you're, you're kind of kicking it. Uh, the usual infectious periods in the first week usually. So that first uh, you know, three to five days is when it starts, but then it, it goes down and um, the virus levels do uh, for most people assuming you don't have any immunocompromising conditions or on medications like that. So I would say 10 days for most people. Uh, and of course, watching out to make sure no shortness of breath, things along those lines, there's no turn uh, in terms of symptoms. Exactly. And then, and then while we're at it, let's just make one thing clear that uh, the vaccine, you know, I know you've received the vaccine. Uh, it's still working. I mean, it, the vaccines are never perfect. We never said that they were. They mostly are, are very good at keeping out of the hospital. I mean, it's not like you have antibodies that can run ahead and drop kick the virus before it interacts with you. Like it can still, you can still get sick. But the point is, it activates your immune system much earlier than it would otherwise. And it decreases your chances of having a serious illness so that you can actually, you know, be positive, have COVID and you can still uh, do a show. Uh, and the, the thing, I, I think the point that, that Dr. Gray's, uh, you made is, is, is so on point that the real issue that we have in this country, it has been schizophrenic. You've had all of these people who put pressure, okay, got to open up, got to open up, got to open up. And then they say, what's the big deal? We got to move on. It's destroying the economy. It's all of that. But then to your point, spike to the, everybody's like, okay, my goodness, we got to like shut back down. And. I, I just think we're I, I personally think that we're still operating behind behind the curve because we had the idiots of the Trump administration who screwed this up from the beginning. You did not have massive, massive testing across the country. The initial CDC test uh, was a joke. OK, it was problems with that. And so all of this talk, remember, people have the massive testing centers in, in parking lots, stuff along those lines. That didn't happen. Now you have. Uh, people have been saying that, that the, at, the, at the White House or the federal government should be sending uh, home kits to every American household. I don't understand why that's a controversial thing if you're trying to deal with an international pandemic. Because and then what do they say? Oh, the cost. I'm sitting there going, really? We just we just literally just passed a eight trillion dollar defense bill. And you're telling me you're talking about the cost of sending uh, at home at, at home kits. And so not only that uh that those antibodies it was difficult it was difficult 
to find uh, in uh, when I was in Atlanta. I mean, we were calling all over. I was I was talking to Dr. Ebony Hilton, others here in Virginia saying, well, what if I get it when I come back to Virginia? She was like, ain't uh, not sure it's going to happen here as well. So here we we still as a nation, as our total infrastructure are ill prepared for what is going on. And it's as if uh, it's just like a patchwork every single day. Well, the again, you know, pr protecting people from COVID is a national defense issue, and it needs to be treated that way. And uh, again, I keep trying to bring home the fact that as viruses go, COVID is not as bad as what's out there. I mean, it's bad, but we have other viruses that can be next up in terms of their ability to become uh, pandemic. And their symptoms and their mortality is going to be much, much worse than COVID. So if we don't put in place the biomedical research and medical public health infrastructure to deal with these emerging pandemics, the next time around, things could be really worse. And, and, I, and I also want to drive home that right now, the vaccines are holding up against the Omicron variant. But as the virus continues to evolve, there is a real possibility that we're going to get a variant that escapes control by the vaccines, and then we really won't be prepared. So we're at a moment again, where we have the opportunity to try to get things under control, but it, it takes a concerted national effort and folks that have been out publicly against vaccines need to sh basically change their tune. They need to start coming out and telling their supporters that they need to get vaccinated so that we can get this country back on track. Um, Dr. Bell, uh, on that point, um, it was interesting when I posted uh, on Saturday about testing positive. Uh, I had folks come on my, come on my Instagram page to others saying, well, I, I hope you're not sitting here uh, mentioning that crap about vaccines. And I'm like, you damn right I am. I said, I, I'm like, I don't, I, said, I don't give a damn what any of y'all critics think. I said, and I made it clear, every critic of the vaccine can literally kiss my ass. Because the bottom line is this here. There is no way in hell you're going to sit here and tell me that I'm not going to be trying to figure out every way to be fully protected. And that means the vaccine, that's the booster. I was going to get my booster December 28th. Uh, but, I, 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 but I still know someone who vaccinated and boosted uh, who also got COVID. And here's the problem, Dr. Bell. I think part of it still goes back to when we first started. So many people were under the assumption or were led to believe that the vaccine was the cure. And so I think there's this, there's this whole deal here in people's minds. Well, uh, well, you like I had I had some some idiot, some loudmouth, you know, who did a did did a video uh, on me. Oh, see, uh, he out there promoting vaccines and he got it. I'm like, well, yeah, fool. Like it's there. So explain. So I need both of you to please explain to these loudmouth nutcases exactly what the purpose of the vaccine is. And it was it is not a cure. There's no thing that's going to completely protect you from not getting it. It is designed to ensure, frankly, you're not going to be on a ventilator if you do get it. I think the easiest way to explain this is just to talk about what I've seen in my ICU. Uh, so if we look at last year and we were seeing the impact that it had, basically everyone, every age group, every demographic, disproportionately African-American, Latino, and underserved communities, as we talked about a lot on this show, 
but we rolled out vaccines to these communities. And now in my community, uh, Black and Latino communities are highly vaccinated. So who are we seeing now in the ICU? It's unvaccinated people. I'm not seeing any more 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year old people who are fully vaccinated. It's all unvaccinated people. Uh, there are a few breakthrough infections and people who have these compromising conditions, uh, but it is mostly unvaccinated people. So the face of the pandemic, at least for people who are severely ill, has changed in my ICU. Dr. Graves? Yeah, I mean, I really can't add to that because the, the, the facts um, and the logic of this are so clear that I'm trying to find a way to, to speak to someone who doesn't utilize logic at all to understand the situation. It's simple. The vaccines are effective and safe. We are now seeing that people who have been vaccinated and people who have gotten boosters are less likely to catch COVID. And if they catch COVID, they're less likely to get very sick from it. We also have a complete opposite case of people who are unvaccinated. They're more likely to catch COVID and they're more likely to get very sick from it and they're more likely to die from it. It's as clear as I would say, the nose on my face. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. There are, there are things called facts. I mean, it's these these anti-vaxxers are are equivalent to people who are arguing, well, that actually the earth is flat. That's the type of argument that they're making, that the earth is flat. No matter what evidence you provide for them, they will still adhere to the idea the earth is flat. Uh, I want you to reiterate that point again, Dr. Bell, where we what is happening now with our hospitals. Uh, I have I've seen numerous reports that the hospitals are filling up. And largely the people who are coming in are folks who are unvaccinated. Yeah. I mean, um, I have um, uh, just last week, um, we had a couple of young people that were in. So folks who are in their 30s, they have young children, they're unvaccinated. I ask everyone, if, assuming they're able to talk with me, I ask them, why didn't you get vaccinated? Um, a lot of times as people say, I didn't think I needed to. I, I'm healthy. I take vitamins and things like that, which is that's good to do. Um, but this is a global pandemic that has killed millions of people. And the vaccines offer extremely good protection from uh, being severely ill. So it's the best decision you can make right now to go ahead and get vaccinated. Because like I said before, what I'm seeing in the ICU were unvaccinated people um, who are getting critically ill. All right, then, gentlemen, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, this is one of the reasons why uh, you know we made a point from the beginning to have our top black medical experts on talking about this stuff so people understand and they're getting real information. Uh, Dr. Tyson Bell, uh, University of Virginia, uh, Dr. Joseph Graves at North Carolina A&T. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. Feel better. Hope we don't have to do this again. Uh, well, guess what? I, I think we're going to have to and we're going to keep hammering it. And for every person who keeps telling me uh, stop uh, talking about it and stop uh, promoting the vaccine, I'm going to tell them shut up because it ain't going to happen. Sounds good. All right. Uh, thanks a lot. I want to bring in my panel now, Dr. Julian Malvo, uh, Dean of the College of Ethnic Studies, uh, California State University in L.A., at the Omakongo Dabinga Professorial Lecture, School of International Service, American University, Reverend Jeff Carr, founder of the Infinity Fellowship in Nashville, Tennessee. Glad to have all three of you here. Um, look, if there's somebody out there who says, I don't want to take the vaccine, that's fine. Okay. Everybody has an individual decision to make. The issue that I have is, is the spread of misinformation. Uh, I got these people talking about, oh, uh, you need to have uh, uh, so-and-so on to debate this issue. And I go, <laughs> um, 
and I go, um, are they a doctor? No. Are they a scientist? No. Why in the hell am I going to have a conversation about a vaccine with somebody who's not a doctor or a scientist? That's like me having a deep conversation about legal strategy with the same person and they're not a damn lawyer. I mean, it, it, it is amazing to me uh, with, with, these, with these TikTok doctors, these, <laughs> these YouTube scientists, people have no, no expertise whatsoever. Um, and they want you, to, I'm, I'm not debating this. I'm not debating 827,000 people are dead. Yeah. I'm not debating that African-Americans have died at a higher rate than any other group in the country. I'm not having that debate. Now, again, if you choose not to do that, that that's fine. But I'm going to tell you right now, I am absolutely going to encourage our folks to get the vaccine because, like I keep saying, Julian, ain't no flip side to death. Hello. Ain't, there's right. no, there's no, look, I don't, I mean, I'm being real clear. I don't like the fact that COVID is in my body right now. Mm. I don't like it. Okay, to think that there are 827,000 people, Americans, who have died of something that's in my body, oh, hell yeah, that, that's scary. But if you think for, you think for a second I was going to be walking around here not have being vaccinated, uh, you got to be out of your mind. Not, not finding that antibody and getting it done. Okay, and again, if you want to eat some fruit and berries and some vitamins and do a whole natural, again, that, no, no, that's his deal. There are people holistic. That's fine. But what I'm not going to do is I will never allow the misinformation and the putting on of people who are spreading that crap because too many of our people fall for that uh, conspiracy theory so quickly, Julian. You know, Roland, I am so disturbed at the number of people who uh, simply reject the um, vaccination. I applaud you for saying you're not going to debate debate these fools and that's what i will underline these fools and i unfortunately have one or two of them in my own immediate family who refuse to get vaccinated because it's a white man's conspiracy and i keep telling them white people dying from this too um but you know i don't talk to them about it anymore you do what you do just don't do it around me and i think that's the issue is the spreadability and the ways that so many people are infecting each other so that those of us who've even been uh, vaccinated can be unwitting um, spreaders. I, if the doctors are still there, I don't know if they are. No, they, no, they're, uh, they're gone. Okay, because I got to get on the airplane tomorrow and mm. I haven't had the booster yet because I can't find one. I've gone to three places and stood in line. Uh, can I fly? <laughs> you know? Actually, 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 and actually you can. I mean, so first of all, um, there's no requirement that you actually have to have the booster uh, to fly. Uh, but the key is still uh, taking all the precautions um, um, uh, when you do fly, uh, I've, I've, I've seen some doctors who've also said, Hey, don't even take your mask off to drink or eat on the plane. Just wait till you land. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen that as well. Well, thank you. I will not, I will be sitting in first class sipping nothing. <laughs> uh, uh, Jeff, th this is what, 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 what is happening here. And again, uh, it, it blew me away, uh, and when we see these numbers, mm -hmm. how the numbers just jump so quickly. New York City, 
uh, how, how so many cities and states start reporting how Omicron just spread so quickly and the fact that it is so contagious. Mm-hmm. Well, when you talk about contagion, Roland, first, first off, I want to tell you this. I'm not a medical doctor, uh, so I won't try to speak from a scientific <laughs> space, right? I won't claim that. Uh, I will say that I am at an interesting crossroads where I have to put people in a space where they actually practice something that people seem to have lost in this day and age, and that's called common sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, When people Mm -hmm. see you uh, and they hear you today, they hear you tonight bringing the funk. I'm I'm glad you're bringing the funk. I'm glad we're bringing the funk today because, uh, to quote uh, the great George Clinton, you've got to let the vibes flow through because funk not only moves, it can remove. So you're showing up today. Your ability to bring the funk is proof that vaccinations work. Why? Because if you didn't get your vaccine, where would you be after testing positive for COVID? When we talk about this misinformation that goes into the world, we don't take into account the true and the real life stories of what if. I, as you all know, I'm a healthy guy. I've been a vegetarian 30 plus years. I take my elderberry. I do not take the flu shot and I took vaccines. My wife took vaccines. My oldest son took the vaccine. Uh, I'm glad he did because he got COVID. Out of our five children, two of them tested positive for COVID and it put him on his back. But as someone with a pre-existing condition, it would have put him in his grave had we not gotten the vaccine. So with all that we talk about, we have to find a way to communicate uh, common sense to people in this day and age. One, one, I guess, metaphor, one picture that I like to use is a frat party on campus. And you have a, you have a party in a two-story building and somebody decides that they want to crash the party and you don't want to let them in. So somebody says, hey, close all the windows, lock all the doors, and that'll keep everybody out. That's basically what a vaccine does. But what happens when the people do not want to get a vaccine and they go to a second floor and they open up all of the windows and the doors on the second floor? The people who are strong enough outside to climb to the second floor and get into the window, not only are they more determined, but they're stronger, they're faster, and they can cause more destruction once they get in. The lack of being vaccinated is giving an opportunity to the Delta and the Omicron strains to ravage our community even more simply because we will not allow ourselves to build the immunity. And for people who talk about the conspiracy theory of what is coming from the white man and what is coming to destroy us, ask the question, why is it that European countries are stockpiling hundreds of millions of doses of vaccines and only 7% of Africa is inoculated and vaccinated? If anything, the conspiracy would operate the other way around. Congo. That, that sounds about right to me. And quite honestly, I have to give you your props again, Roland, for being on the forefront of countering not only misinformation, but disinformation. We've seen that YouTube, Facebook, all of these social media sites have been so late to the game. Just within about like, what, the last two or three months is when they started removing videos from some of these uneducated people out there spreading misinformation. Mm -hmm. I've seen stories on places like CNN where people are saying they trust this YouTube virologist more than their own doctor and the like. And so this misinformation and disinformation has been a large part of the problem. And these networks think that they're doing us a service by putting these uneducated people on their airways and spreading out this this ignorance. And it's costing people their lives. And so people really need to follow your example 
because in this day and age where there's no such thing as a negative news story because everybody can get their 15 minutes of fame, people should be more responsible with their platforms that they allow people on who are actually going to share real information. I have not seen you one time arguing with some of these guys on YouTube and bringing them on your show. Hey, let's talk about it and elevating them. But I've seen all of the other networks do it. I've seen it on, on and, and really at the end of the day, they are part of the problem as well. Fox is going to do what it's going to do, but these other networks don't have to be so ignorant and irresponsible. You've had on leading people every single day or at least every single week talking about this stuff. And people, if they don't get it now, it might be too late. Yep, hmm. absolutely. Post, got to go to the break. We come back. We're going to talk about uh, D.C. Um, why is it that you have uh, so many police officers who really should be kicked off the force who are allowed to stay on after committing some heinous crimes. We'll discuss that next right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Sun Network. What's up? This your boy Ice Cube. Hey, yo, peace world. What's going on? It's the Love King of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered. Folks, uh, 11-year-old uh, Nasia McFall was last seen on August 29, 2021 in Baltimore, Maryland. She's around 5 feet, 5 inches tall, weighs about 145 pounds. She has natural hair, and both of her ears are pierced. Anyone with information regarding her whereabouts are urged to contact the Baltimore Missing Persons Unit at 443-984-7385, 443-984-7385. All right, folks, two more black women have filed lawsuits against the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington, D.C., uh, alleging racism, sexism, and preferential uh, treatment uh, towards white police officers. This is the third lawsuit against the MPD in the past four months. Joining us right now, former and current officers Lisa Burton and Felicia Carson, along with their attorney, Pamela Keith. Glad to have all three of you here. Uh, what is the uh, basis of uh, your suit, Lisa and Felicia? Lisa? Hi, hi. How you doing? 
The basis of my suit is basically the um, discrimination and I'm working internal affairs and uh, witness that some of the internal affairs agents themselves that are supposed to police the police are actually um, racist in my opinion. Um, they do and say things that, that they shouldn't do and, and it brings into question their ability to actually investigate the officers and the members in the community. Felicia? Hello. So the basis of my um, complaint is uh, discrimination for using family leave um, to care for my daughter um, who was diagnosed with leukemia and then also retaliation um, when I complained about um, the now commander, um, Sean Conboy, who's my official, complained about this um, low performance rate in which he most likely knew would have cost me my position as a senior police officer. Um, when I complained about that, um, then assist, well, now Assistant Chief Manapaz didn't like it. Um, so he terminated me. And also, um, I was working on a case where Manapaz covered up um, the officer's um, misconduct. Um, so I was, I was just terminated. Um, this is, as we said, uh, Pam, this is the third lawsuit. Um, uh, do you expect uh, more or are there plans for this to be a class action lawsuit? Uh, where is this headed? Well, there are, thank you, Roland, for having us. Um, there are more plaintiffs in the wings. It's, you know, the reason that this one is a little bit unique is because it does give us a peek into eternal affairs. Um, my my uh, client, Felicia, mentioned uh, Assistant Chief Wilfredo Manlapaz. He is the director of internal affairs. And so what a lot of people out there don't know is that the power, the decision-making power of internal affairs is concentrated essentially in one guy. He has the authority to decide who goes to a disciplinary review board. He decides whether they're going to negotiate down a discipline that's recommended or not. Um, and so what happens is that, uh, you know, right now the MPD is trying to say, well, oh, it's, it's the trial board that put these bad officers back to work. And that is a a misleading oversimplification. The trial board decision and the control of the trial board and who gets a trial board is really a decision made functionally by one guy with the with the um, ratification of the chief of police. And that is that's why it's so problematic if that one guy is racially biased. In this case, he is. So, uh, so in terms of um, um, again with, with these suits. Um, has it, have you heard from any of the city council members or any others uh, weighing in on, 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 on their thoughts if this is if this is institutional problem, uh, how black women are being treated in this department? Well, yes and no. I mean, we have, we have made contact with a few city council members. We are struggling right now to try to get the chair of the Judiciary Committee to hold a hearing on this as a standalone issue. Racism, sexism, and systematic culture of retaliation in the MPD. It's not just uh, part and parcel of the annual performance review of the MPD. It is uh, so important and such a problem that we have 16 Black women who have filed suits at this point just from my firm alone. And my question is, Roland, you know, if 16 black women with the kind of stellar reputations that my clients have is not enough, then just how many is? 20, 35? 
our phones are still ringing off the hook with people seeking representation. So um, I think the city council is punting. Their, their attitude right now is, oh, the attorney general can deal with this. Well, the attorney general may be able to deal with the legal component, but you're still getting a neon sign telling you you got a management problem, culture problem at MPD. That is not an attorney general problem. That is a city council and mayor's office problem because they're the ones elected by the people of the city to oversee and run MPD. And they're acting like these management problems are not a big deal because when black women speak up about being mistreated, it's just not a big deal. Felicia and Lisa, uh, have you had issues? Um, uh, first of all, uh, have both of you heard from other women who are considering uh, stepping up uh, and also filing suit? Yes, I've heard from several women. I still work there and the problem is the fear. Everyone is paralyzed by fear. People have their own reasons for not stepping up. They're afraid of the retaliation, obviously, because the command staff will bully you and they will they will investigate you. They'll bully you, they'll harass you, they'll do anything to keep you silent. And then the other part of it is people, you know, they have families and they just feel like that they they're that we've been marginalized to the degree that our voice does not matter. And so, yes, to answer your question in short, yes, there's several people that want to come forward, but everybody's afraid. Felicia? Same as Lisa, um, not more so women, but I do know that there are men, um, black men that again, watch myself be retaliated against and um, terminated, watch, also watch Lisa be discriminated against and retaliated against, moved, we both moved out of IED, but they're afraid. Um, when I say the retaliation is real it, and it's blatant, I, I mean, I, I I understand, but I don't like I, I get that people don't want to um, go through anything. But if you never stand up, then what? I, I had a person, a black female who watched me, um, watch my discrimination, watch my retaliation, watch me moved out of IED, who said to me how angry she was because in her words, this can happen to me. And guess what? It did happen to her. And she feared that she would be put out of IED. So it, it's like Lisa said, it's fear. Fear. Roland, if, if I may, I, I just want the audience to understand who they're talking to. Felicia Carson has been with the MPD for 29 years. She was in IED for 19 years, right? Lisa Burton had extensive background in Homeland Security before she came to MPD. She's an investigator with extensive experience. And she got moved out on the whims of individuals who just didn't wanna be bothered with people who would speak up and stand up and, and counter racist and discriminatory behavior. Now, the problem is um, if they can get rid of top quality performers like Felicia and Lisa, that everybody feels like they're in jeopardy. Everybody feels like they're walking on eggshells. And that is the culture of MPD. It is a toxic workplace, especially for black women. And people are fearful all the time. All right, folks, uh, I appreciate all three of you coming on. Uh, thank you so very much. And we'll be uh, following this case, see what happens next. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having uh, us. All right, folks, got to go to break. We come back. Uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, boy, he's ticked off a lot of Democrats. They're not happy with him at all as a result of his decision to vote against the uh, Build Back Better plan, uh, raising the ire of the White House uh, and being called out left and right. Uh, what happens next? We'll also talk about voting rights as well. Can this Senate 
dealing with mansions, cinema, and others. Can they uh, pass a voting bill? We'll discuss all of that next right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered right uh, on the Black Star Network. Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? My name is Charlie Wilson. Hi, I'm Sally Richardson Whitfield. And I'm Dodger Whitfield. Hey everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. White supremacy ain't just about hurting black folk. Right. You gotta deal with it. It's injustice. It's wrong. I do feel like in this generation, we've got to do more around being intentional and resolving conflict. You and I have always agreed. Yeah. But we agree on the big piece. Yeah. Our conflict is not about destruction. Conflict's gonna happen. Football bands and one of the best fan experiences in the country. The Cricket BX Swag Challenge kickoff returns to Atlanta on August 28th along with special guests. College game day. Then Alcorn State takes on North Carolina Central with. All right, folks, welcome back to Roller Martin Unfiltered. A former employee of State Farm is suing the company allegedly she was fired for speaking out against racism. Dr. Carla Campbell Jackson worked for the insurance company for 28 years. She alleged she experienced discriminatory uh, speech and racist images uh, in a letter with hateful language that targeted minority groups. Now, she was fired two weeks after reporting the incidents. State Farm denies uh, her claims and says she was fired due to a breach of personnel information. An EEOC investigation found about 100,000 pieces of evidence documenting a documenting a culture of discrimination and racism. Two other former employees are also suing State Farm. They're being represented by civil rights attorney uh, Ben Crump. All right, folks, let's talk about uh, the Build Back Better plan. It pre pretty much is dead after Senator Joe Manchin went on Fox News yesterday saying he is not going to vote for it. This is what he had to say.
Now, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Senator, welcome back to Fox News Sunday. Good to be with you, Brett. Senator, you're at the center of this uh, negotiation with the president over his social spending and tax bill, a bill, the Build Back Better bill that is not coming up uh, in the Senate before the new year, in part largely because of your reservations. Without you, the leadership doesn't have the votes it needs. So today, right now, what's the state of play? Well, Brett, you know, this is a mammoth piece of legislation, and I had my reservations from the beginning when I heard about it five and a half months ago, and I've been working diligently every day and every minute of every day. I've been working on this, meeting with whether it be the president, President Biden, whether it be Majority Leader Schumer and his staff, whether it would be with Nancy Pelosi, uh, all of my colleagues, I mean, from all different spectrums of, of the political spectrum, if you will, from the right to the left. I've done everything humanly possible. And you know my concerns I had, and I still have these concerns. And where I'm at right now, the inflation that I was concerned about, it's not transitory, it's real. It's harming every West Virginian. It's making it almost difficult for them to continue to go to their jobs, the cost of gasoline, the cost of groceries, the cost of utility bills. All of these things are hitting in every aspect of their life. And, and, you, and you start looking, and then, then you have the uh, debt that we're carrying at $29 trillion. You have also the geopolitical unrest that we have. You have the COVID, the COVID uh, variant, uh, and that is re wreaking havoc again. People are concerned. I've been with my family. I know everyone's concerned. So when you have these things coming at you the way they are right now, uh, I've always said this, Brett, if I can't go home and explain it to the people of West Virginia, I can't vote for it. And I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. All righty. Well, guess what? That didn't sit too well with Democrats. The White House came out full blast saying that uh, he actually uh, reneged on his own words, saying that early in the week he presented President Joe Biden personally with a $1.8 trillion framework uh, of the bill. Uh, it was uh, a huge rebuke uh, from the White House. It was a uh, letter that came from uh, Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, that, that that broke it all down. Now, Vice President Kamala Harris, of course, on Friday spoke about why the bill was important. This was prior to Manchin's decision on Sunday. So who's the real president of this country? Is it Joe Manchin or Joe Biden? Madam Vice President. Come on, Charlemagne. I really Come on. I, it's Joe Biden. I can't no, tell no, no, sometimes. No, 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 no. It's Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden. And don't start talking like a Republican about asking whether or not he's president. Do, it's Joe Biden. Do you think Joe Manchin and, is and a problem? It's Joe, and it's Joe and it's Joe Biden. And I'm Vice President. And my name is Kamala Harris. And the reality is because we are in office. We do the things like the child tax credit, which is going to reduce black child poverty by 50% on track to do that. We do things that are about saying that our Department of Justice is going to do these investigations and require that we end chokeholds and have body cameras. It is the work of saying we're going to get lead out of pipes and paint because our babies are suffering because of that. It is the work of saying people who ride public transit deserve the same kind of dignity that anybody else does. So let's improve that system. It is the work of saying that we have got to bring down prescription drug costs 
because folks who have diabetes should not be dying because they don't have enough money in their pocket. It's about saying black maternal mortality is a real issue that must be treated by everybody, including the White House, as a serious issue. Okay, so let's, I, I hear the frustration, but let's not deny the impact that we've had and agree also that there is a whole lot more work to be done and it is not easy to do, but we will not give up and I will not give up. I just want you to know that that, that Madam Vice President, that, that Kamala Harris, that's the one I like. That's the one that was putting the pressure on people in Senate hearings. That's the one I'd like to see more often out here in these streets. It's a silly question to me. I Man, I get it. First, it's a silly question. Is Joe Manchin the president? Everybody, Joe Manchin not the damn president. Okay? But civics are civics. All right? It's 50-50. 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans. That means that any one Democrat, it could be Manchin, it could be Cory Booker, it could be Cinema, anybody, they could say, nope, nope. And guess what? Nothing is happening. So this is the problem that we're facing when you have a, a, an equally uh, divided Senate. The real problem here is Manchin is really full of shit on Congo. He's a liar. That's what he is. He's a liar. Because you can't give a framework and then go, oh, oh I've tried everything I can. They have a, basically allowed him to write the bill. So you can't vote for the bill they basically allowed you to write? Really? You ain't lying, man. Look, shout out to Ayana, Representatives Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, and Ilhan Omar, and AOC, who all said from the beginning, Corey Bush, Manchin cannot be trusted. He has shown his full colors full out. And Roland, to do this on Fox News, an outlet where he knows he's not going to get challenged. He he showed he throw out all of the stuff about the filibuster and how it needs to be. You know we need to maintain it and all of that. But I had nothing to say about the fact that they had a carve out for it for the budget just last week, the week before last, and it's been carved out over 160 times. He's a liar. He's not out here. He's not an honest broker. I'm sitting here looking at some stats. West Virginia. Number 47 in healthcare, number 45 in education, number 48 in economy, number 50 in infrastructure. And yet the average salary income of people there is $26,000 a year. I know some speakers who make more than that. He has bamboozled the people of West Virginia. And I hope, and, but look at this, Roland. He has over a 60% approval rating by the people of West Virginia. So he understands how the hustle goes. And I'm hoping that by now, more West Virginians are starting to see that he is full of it, that he's not an honest broker. And going off of what Charlemagne just said, we need to see more of this Vice President Harris because this Vice President Harris, when they first got into office, she went into West Virginia, went on television, and talked about the importance of the, the COVID relief package. But I haven't seen them do that on these Build Back Better bills or the voting rights bills. They need to get in attack mode and seriously call him out. And I believe that once the people, all of the people of West Virginia get exposed to who he really is, they're going to have that more pressure on him. And, and we're going to get him to do what we need him to do. I do believe that. They just don't know. Um, you know, the, 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 here's the deal. Uh, Jeff, Joe Manchin is, bake, is banking on the sheer illiteracy of his own voters. Sure. 
West Virginia ain't the smartest state in America. <laughs> when you look at the fact that the child child care tax credit, 93% of the kids in his state are impacted by that. So when he say, well, when I go back to West Virginia, I got to be able to explain to my people. And if I can, I can't vote for it. That because that must mean they too illiterate because they just believe in anything that this man says. Out of all other states, he represents one of the brokest damn states in America. They more than anybody are going to benefit from this bill. But Joe Manchin has corporate interests he's representing. Not the people of West Virginia. 68% of voters in West Virginia support the Build Back Better plan. Uh, 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 former, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton tweeted that out. Well, guess what? I need 68% of the people in West Virginia who are voters to be blowing his phone lines up saying you're screwing over us. And see, that's part of the problem. He has not gotten enough pressure from West Virginians. And so they're just believing whatever this man says, and they're the ones who are going to get screwed. Well, if you can keep people's uh, eyes focused on Fox News and you can keep them uh, focused on the story, you can do whatever you want. Uh, I, I like to point out in a mini tribute to the great sister, Bell Hooks, who's transitioned into life after life recently. Uh, she said, what we do is more important than what we say or what we say we believe. So Joe Manchin is in this place now where he is doing things that are showing us exactly who he is. And in his action, we are seeing that he is as disconnected, as distant, and as unfocused as that webcam that they put at the top of that stadium for ESPN to cover the celebration halftime show. This guy is so separate from reality when you're dealing with the party and you're dealing with America and yet so highly focused on, as you said, banking. What is he banking on? He's banking on himself. So he's advancing a narrative that draws, that comes out of the 1980s and 90s with the concept of the welfare scares when they were saying we got to keep people from getting on welfare because they're going to take all the money never mind that 80% of the welfare money at the time was going to administrative costs and it was not getting to the actual people Joe Manchin is now advancing this notion advancing this narrative that what people are going to spend their uh, their money on their build back money on is drugs and what people are going to do with their time off and their paid leave is go hunting all of these things that have no basis in reality. And so he's playing on the beliefs and stereotypes that are coming out of, frankly, the, the, the conservative right, so that we can continue to move toward what we're moving toward in America, and that is a space of white minority rule. Joe Manchin will benefit from that. He's saying, look at these people over here and what they might do with the money based on a belief, but don't look at the $174,000 a year that I get of your money. Don't look at how I got $174,000 salary and yet I'm driving around on the river in a $250,000 boat. When we continue to, to, to not have this analysis and just see through this and call people out, as you said, it's got to start happening in his home state. We have a national voice uh, of people who are pointing out the inaccuracies, who are pointing out what is wrong, the discrepancies but it's got to start coming from West Virginia because people have to see that they are the ones who are going to continue to suffer and end up in the bottom of every category, as Dr. Omakongo pointed out. Uh, I, want to, um, I want to bring in um, uh, a guest with, uh, with the uh, Poor People's Campaign. Look, they, they have been doing that. That They have been uh, on, on top of this. They have been uh, mobilizing people in West Virginia. They have, they, of course, they had 
uh, last week. Uh, they had uh, a caravan uh, to the nation's capital, uh, it, and, and it's been consistent. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, and let me just say this before I bring the guest on, frankly, not enough uh, other civil rights groups have been doing their part. There have been folks who have been more uh, who, who have chosen to uh, talk uh, in uh, private meetings as opposed to out there on the streets. Um, see the, so, so, the, so the problem we're dealing with is um, we need to have, again, more pressure. This is a man who drives a Maserati. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at um, I'm looking at a um, I'm looking at a uh, tweet from Reverend Liz Theo Harris. Uh, she she just tweeted. So Manchin uh, drives a Maserati to his yacht, all the while worrying that the Build Back Better plan might be too generous to poor children, and falsely claiming that parents are using the child tax credit to buy drugs. Mm-hmm. He's actually said that, y'all, privately. Christian Olson is the West Virginia Poor People's Campaign uh, director. Christian, glad to have you on the show. Um, uh, Thank you so much for having me. What what this man is doing is is frankly an abomination, and he doesn't give a damn. And, and when he goes on television with this, you know, well, if I can't explain to the people in West Virginia, then you know I can't vote for it. To your knowledge, has Senator Joe Manchin held a town hall meeting in West Virginia to discuss this? Has Senator Joe Manchin is that a joke? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> He hasn't listened to anything. We've had actions in front of his office. We've had actions in front of his office in Charleston. We've had actions in front of his office in DC. We've had actions in front of his office in Martinsburg. I've left him numerous voicemails. We have all been leaving him numerous voicemails. We all are calling him every day. And then he gets on the news and it's like, you can tell he's lying the way he says, if I can't explain this to my people, what does he want to explain to us is what I don't understand. He talks in that interview, that that clip that you just showed, he talks about um, how things are going up for us in West Virginia, how the prices of things are going up and he doesn't know how we're going to pay things. And then in the same breath, so that's why I'm voting to take away free child care and child tax credit. And I'm voting not to give you hearing aids and teeth and medical care. I, I'm beyond frustrated with, with my senator. And he's saying he's not hearing from us. We're having actions right now. I, I just got home from an action right before your show started. We're having actions right in front of his office every day. Y'all, y'all pull together day. ten. Then y'all pull together ten thousand uh, a letter signed by ten thousand people, or something along those lines, and he refused to accept it or something like that. Yes, sir. Some, something mm. like that. I'm not exact. That was through the Poor People's Campaign, and I'm not sure how many people signed it, but we've had several. You know, I, 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 I know it's ten thousand. I know it's yeah. ten thousand. Because Reverend Barber referenced it la- at last week's news conference. Yeah, and, and and he's saying that he's not hearing from us. So so and then and then you know it's like because he's a liar, he's saying that we're liars because he's lying and doing whatever he wants to do for his own good just to benefit himself and his pocket, then he's gonna assume that all of us in West Virginia are liars and that we're taking money and doing dishonest things. That that's him just telling on himself. That's what liars do, is they blame other people for what 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 they're doing. I'm yeah. sick of it. And Christian, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think what he's doing is, is again, he he knows that these national, these 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 safe these safe spaces he keeps going to, they're not going to ask him the tough questions. Well, you see, know what is, else? Let me. I'm oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. 
Let me bring up something interesting about West Virginia, something that I don't think it's getting a lot of attention that's going on here. Um, so Joe Manchin's wife is, is something in charge of a lot of nonprofits and their funding. So, you know, just like last month and the month prior, when we're talking about this John Lewis voting rights bill and what needs to happen, there were a lot of nonprofits here in West Virginia that were having thank you Joe Manchin rallies. So, so you're wow. saying that West Virginia is uneducated about what's going on? I disagree. West Virginia is being manipulated and threatened, and and not being brave. There, there, there's something crooked's going on in the background with that sort of thing. Um, so she, so, so let me let me go ahead and read this for you because uh, this story was pulled up, uh, and this is dated. Uh, this was in April. So, uh, Gail Manchin, the wife of Joe Manchin. She serves as the federal co-chair of the Appalachian Regional Commission. Um, and, the, uh, and of course, the Appalachian uh, Regional Commission uh, is a, a federal state partnership to boost economic development across 13 states, stretching from Georgia to New York. So essentially what, you, what you're saying is that, yeah, there are a lot of people, the funding of their organizations will be contingent upon whether she supports it or not. Yes, sir. Wow. And that's what we're dealing with here. And and what what I, I think it was I, I it was just like you know the the ban uh, was against you know uh, um, uh, you talking about you know, the increase in, in uh, dental care. Uh, and I saw one story where twenty five percent of folks in the state um, uh, what don't have natural teeth. It was some story like that. And it, it, you just sit here and you go, okay. Which, which West Virginia this man supposedly representing? And I'm like, I, who does he actually talk to? Does, does he actually show up to anything in the state? Or does he just go to his yacht and drive his Maserati? You know that we had to have a flotilla to, to get to his yacht so that he could wow. even hear us at all. Out, out on boats, there, were, there was several days of actions where people were out on their boats trying to talk to him and yell at him on his, on his yacht. Um, and he drives, a, you know, you said, mentioned it. He drives a Maserati. He's so disconnected um, and apparently doesn't even read the newspaper because it was on the front page of our local paper. I don't have it right next to me, uh, but how badly we need this. He, here's the thing, right, that, that, that you know, and, and again, um, I, 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 to be honest, I was very surprised uh, at how aggressive that White House uh, statement was. I was very surprised. But you know what? To me. This is one of those deals where President Joe Biden should go do a town hall on a cable network in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know what? And he doesn't need Joe Manchin's permission. Good point. I remember back in, I remember, I guess in, I was in 2016, I think, uh, when, um, when um, Senator, um, uh, when Senator Bernie Sanders had one, I think Chris Hayes was the host on MSNBC. President Joe, Joe Biden should do that. President Joe Biden should say, you know what? Fine, Joe Manchin. In fact, in fact, really throw the gauntlet down. Biden should say to Manchin, you show up, show up at my town hall in West Virginia where we will discuss the Build Back Better plan publicly. See, to me, if you're going to throw the gauntlet down, Christian, that's what you do. And if, and if Manchin can't explain it to us because either we're too stupid or he doesn't understand it himself, then, then Biden and Kamala Harris should come down and, and help West Virginians understand. I, I agree.
Uh, it'll be great if that happens. Look, uh, you know, look, I, I love what y'all are doing there. I, I, I absolutely support it. Support Reverend Dr. William Barber, Reverend Liz Theo Harris. Uh, y'all been putting the pressure uh, on, and, 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 and the key is y'all been showing affected people, uh, putting their voices out there, not just people who are pastors, not just people who are organizational leaders. Uh, and so I say keep it up uh, because this man is supposedly representing y'all. He should be responsive to all constituents, not just those who give campaign uh, donations. And I want to thank you really quickly because I, I, am, I, I am involved in the Poor People's Campaign because I found you on YouTube and I saw Bishop Barber and I signed up last February and I joined right away. And so you're the reason that I'm in activism. And, and I just want to thank you, Roland Martin. Uh, Christian, I appreciate it. Y'all keep it up. Let us That's know how it goes and we'll keep, put the, we'll keep uh, spreading word too. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Uh, I want to bring in, uh, so bring Julian back in. Uh, I mean, that this thing right here, Jeff, again, pressure bust pipe, and they got to sure. stay on them. They got to stay on them. They got to stay on this man. Jeff, then Julian. Yeah. Okay, and, and I'll make mine really, really quick. When you, and this is the community organizer in me. A lot of times when you take on an issue, it can be so big that it can be frustrating. You go into a neighborhood and you say, I want to just get rid of crime. I want to take on crime. You're always going to have a problem getting people involved. Why? Because crime is a constant. It's too big to actually see progress. But if you can identify a couple of blocks and say, look, I want to stop some people from breaking in cars because people have been breaking in cars lately. People jump in, they fix that issue, and then they say, how can we add two, three, four more blocks to this? I think what we're looking at with this Joe Manchin issue is, is a huge issue uh, because of the power that he's wielding, because of, of, of the storms that he's causing within the party and in the nation but i think how do we target uh how do we target small victories so that people don't lose hope with the work that christian's doing and other people with the poor people's campaign that is what i think needs to be a new locus of focus how can we identify for instance where is his money most of his money come from and how do we start chipping away at that so that he can recognize and realize this may be an issue of a death of a thousand cuts but let's start working on this right now in digestible pieces that can actually give us some tangible process uh, a tangible um, outcomes because if not i worry that it may be so big that the frustration may get the poor poor people's campaign and other groups that are out there knocked out of the game the poor people's campaign will never be knocked out of the game that's your pessimism my brother oh no um, no I'm, I'm an optimist i just want to make sure yeah, they don't bleed brother. you. Yeah, I'm talking, my brother. Yeah, I'm. I'm, Thank no, you. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Reverend yes, William Barber is uh, the bomb, the bomb, bomb, bomb. He has committed his life to this from the time I met him in the early 2000s. He is committed to this. So no, they will not be discouraged. They will not be moved. The issue is whether the so-called leaders at the national level, as as Roland has pointed out, have the cajones to really call Manchin out. Yes, having town hall meetings in West Virginia would make a big difference. Yes, having people like our sister who was just there with us earlier, going to his office, rolling up on his yacht, that makes a difference. This guy is to a toxic tool of the coal industry of which he owns a slice of. Let me repeat that, a toxic tool of the coal industry of which he owns a slice of. And that's important because he's protecting his self-interest. He's not protecting the interests of the people of West Virginia or as a constitution would state, 
the people of the United States of America. This is really, Manchin is a slimy sludge of, you know what, alliteration. Slimy sludge of you know what. The issue is that people have to be willing to stand up. And unfortunately, I think someone earlier in the program, Roland, talked about the will of the minority. This country has always been constructed to uh, basically lift up the will of the minority. Um, and so the Senate is a minority rule situation. The uh, Congress, in many ways, with gerrymandering, is also, and we can go down the list. But this man needs to be stopped. He's not the president of the United States, nor can he play to be. But what he is is a toxic piece of garbage who is against the American people and, more importantly, the people of his own state. Mama Congo, I was glad, to, though, to see the Biden White House issue mm. that 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 yes. statement and, and, and basically saying you lying, saying you came mm -hmm. in here with a plan and you were supposedly working with us. And I love how they detailed it. And then they detail how Biden invited him to his home in Delaware yep. and, 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 and what he told him directly. That is the kind of look, look, they have been they've been dancing with him, not really mm -hmm. wanting, you know, tick him off but to me this wasn't a front and now by now mansion wants to come out and say oh i i, I was offended by a staffer <laughs> Man, that's a punk ass <laughs> comment i mean this 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 this, this is real here okay yep if i am engaging in a conversation with the president of the united states do you actually think i'm sweating some little staffer only if your ego is big in fact in fact allow me to go back to when president george uh uh w bush was there senator ted kennedy uh what, what was was it the no child left behind uh law was that what what was the education law it was one of the oh yeah, yeah let no child left behind senator ted senator ted kennedy pretty much wrote that law directly with the president so Oh, but but Manchin, no, Manchin's lying. I don't believe a word that he says. What he what he Manchin was going three point five trillion. Yep. He kept bringing it down. He was never going to support this. He was going he was to good. find a Macongo. He was going to find a way to say no, regardless. Regardless, no matter what. And that's why when 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 they had the two bills together and they gave up on one. They said, we're never going to get this bill back better because he can't be trusted. And look, one of the things that Sister Olson said, which we have to be mindful of, is when she mentioned the thing about uh, Gail Manchin and the situation with her role over these nonprofits, mm -hmm. we have to realize that the Manchin family has its hands in everything in West Virginia, from coal to nonprofits, his sis, his daughter with the EpiPens and the medical stuff, and, and his brother or, or his son has some other organization through, throughout the energy field where they're paying him millions of dollars and they have their hands in every single thing. And that is why he's never been an honest broker. He is about delay, delay, delay. I'm glad President Biden called him out. Now I know people are gonna be like, well, we gotta be more careful because he might turn Republican and then we'll lose everything. What do you got to lose at this point? He is the man who wants to block everything. I mean, and this guy has sat on committees in the Senate that oversee the industry that his family profits off of. So at every juncture, this man and his family have been hustling 
the people of West Virginia. And uh, we, we, we have to do more to augment their voices so that, and so that they can understand. So yes, I thought the letter was deep. I thought we need to see more of it. And like you said, go into West Virginia, do that town hall. I'm going to drive up there for that joint because really at the end of the day, <laughs> it has to be taken to his face right That's now. It. I agree. I agree. Hey, folks, going to go to break. We come back. We're going to talk about uh, an effort uh, to help those who uh, who have been unfairly sentenced uh, with the uh, crack uh, cocaine and powder cocaine disparities. We'll talk about that next. Uh, but y'all, y'all heard that coming from Chris, Chris Olson. I had no idea she was even going to say that. I didn't even realize that that, that was the case. Y'all want to understand the importance of this show. What she just said is important. Here's a white woman in West Virginia who came across okay, Reverend Barber on, on this show, on you, uh, watching our YouTube channel, and joined up that particular day. And so, sure, on this show, we target African Americans. We've got folks who uh, of, of different uh, ethnicities and backgrounds who watch our show. That's why it's important for you to support what we do. Uh, so, please, we want you to download our Black Star Network app. Our goal is to have 50,000 downloads by the end of this month. Uh, of course, we're on all available platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Android TV, Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire Stick, uh, Xbox, Samsung Smart TV. And also, please join our Bring the Funk fan club where your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. We appreciate all support. Folks, what we're doing is building something uh, that's great. And again, I mean, I was like, wow, I couldn't, couldn't believe she said that. Uh, but again, you never know who's watching. And that's why I want y'all to understand. You never know who is watching. And that's why we are about empowering people, educating people, giving them the kind of information. And so, Chris, thank you so very much uh, for saying that. And thank you for putting uh, uh, for calling the Poor People's Campaign and joining them that day. And so we certainly appreciate that. Got to go to break. We'll be back. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. to be smart. Roland Martin's doing this every day. Oh, no punches! Thank you, Roland Martin, for always giving voice 
to the issues. Look for Roland Martin in the whirlwind, to quote Marcus Garvey again. The video looks phenomenal, so I'm really excited to see it on my big screen. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. I got to defer to the brilliance of Dr. Carr and to the brilliance of the Black Star Network. I am rolling with rolling all the way. Honored to be on a show that you own, a Black man. <laughs> owns the show. Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Wow. Roland was amazing on that. Hey, Black, I love y'all. I can't commend you enough about this platform that you've created for us to be able to share who we are, what we're doing in the world, and the impact that we're having. Let's be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. You dig? Hey everybody, it's your girl Lunell. So what's up? This is your boy Earthquake. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, we're still dealing with the disparities between uh, crack cocaine and powder cocaine, and uh, there's a new uh, uh, law. Uh, being put forth that uh, they want to change that to help those who have been impacted uh, as a result. Um, it is called the Equal Act or Eliminating a Quantifiably Unjust Application of Law. It attempts to eliminate the federal sentencing disparity between drug offenses involving crack uh, cocaine and powder cocaine by equalizing the sentencing time of the same quantity of drugs. Now, the Equal Act will allow those already serving time to be resentenced and apply to future impending cases once passed. The House has already passed the bill. It's awaiting uh, the Senate. Joining us now is Dejerion Eccles. Uh, he was on the receiving end of a hard sentencing. He joins us now along with uh, the president of Families Against Mandatory Minimums, uh, Kevin Ring. Kevin, glad to have you back on the show. Uh, and so, so, Kevin, this is past the House. What's the hole up in the Senate? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I wish it was easy. You can't get anything in the Senate, um, as you were talking about with Build Back Better. But this should be a no-brainer. This already has Republican support. There's six Republicans supporting it. We think if it goes to the floor, you'll have 70. But, you know, it just doesn't seem to be enough of a priority for the Democratic leadership to bring it up, um, to find time on the floor for it. And so, you know, we're grateful to you to bring attention to this because after getting 361 votes in the House, including 70 percent of the Republicans, and all of the Democrats, this should be a no-brainer. And our view is, you know, in the wake of George Floyd, the wake of Ahmaud Arbery, there was talk about racial justice and criminal justice. The police reform bill died. This is a common sense measure that would take out of the criminal code the most racially discriminatory piece that's left. So we got to get this done. Um, and, and, and you're right. Uh, this is one of those things that is not, it's not that hard. Uh, and frankly, uh, it's not like you're going to have Republicans who are going to be standing in the way. Uh, and it, hell, it ain't like the Senate being that damn busy. <laughs> no, you're right. And like I said, I mean, you have Senator Rob Portman, Susan Collins has joined, Lindsey Graham. So this isn't some progressive wish list. This is common sense policy. In the House, you had the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan, Louis Gohmert. These aren't 
you know, progressives. These are folks who just realize there's right and wrong and that, you know, if you want to get rid of having two systems of justice, one black, one white, you have to address things like this in the criminal code. We can't get rid of all discrimination because some of it's in human hearts of police officers and, and others and judges and prosecutors. But when it's in black and white in the criminal code, we have to act. And this should be a no brainer. Well, the Jerry on, if you could just uh, just weigh in and, and just 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 share with folks, um, you know, your story and, and why this law needs to be passed. Oh, uh, you on? I, I think you're on mute. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Now we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you for having me. First and foremost, but um, I, you know, I think Kevin articulated um it perfectly. We have to um, this law has to be changed and it has to be done now. You know, I remember a quote from Common in one of his rap songs. He said, "It doesn't take an entire day to recognize sunshine, and likewise, it doesn't take thirty plus years to recognize injustice. It doesn't take thirty plus years." Uh, to recognize when a, uh, a a code a criminal code uh, law is egregious in its nature, uh, the time has been passed now, uh, and and I'm passionate about it because I had the misfortune of being sentenced under these harsh mandatory minimums when they were uh, 100 to one uh, with regards to the ratio, now being 18 to one, uh, and especially when you hear about conversations being had uh, about the <clears throat> excuse me about the nature in which these it became 18 to one. I was, I heard that it was passed over a, a, a casual conversation. We couldn't agree to one-to-one. Uh, I give you 18 to one. How about we do that over a, a basketball game? So um, it, it's unfortunate uh, that we're at this state where people can be so indifferent to the suffering of others, but um, the time is now and we can't wait any longer. And that's why you have individuals, organizations like Kevin, uh, Families Against Mandatory Minimums, uh, individuals like myself who are, are so passionate trying to get this done. Uh, so Kevin, um... All right, so the Senate, they've gone home for the rest of the year. Um, so for the people who are watching, people who are listening, what do you want them to do uh, between now and when the Senate returns in 2022? Uh, well, I'm here for that reason. And I'm again, I'm grateful for you to you for bringing attention to this, just like you have on other issues. They have to get involved because I know there's tons of competing priorities, voting rights, you know, um, build back better, other things that people want. But this is something that will not get done unless people demand it. And so especially communities that have been hit hardest by it need to demand it. And so we're asking people, you know, you can go through us or all the other groups that are working on that. You can reach out to FAM by texting FAM to 21333. But the truth is we also need some leadership from the president. President Biden has endorsed this legislation, but they haven't been active on the Hill and pushing for this. And we're not seeing any other criminal justice reform pass. We're not seeing him grant any pardons or commutations. And so this is something he should call up, you know, Senator Schumer, Speaker Pelosi and say, get this bill to my desk ASAP. I don't care what form it comes in, freestanding, attach it to another bill. But I want to sign this as quickly as possible. And don't wait till we get too deep into the election year, because then everything gets harder. Um, the Jerry on uh, also uh, for you, uh, if uh, Senator Chuck Schumer um uh watches this in fact um what we're gonna do is we're gonna tag him when we post this on twitter uh <laughs> what would you say to him and democratic leadership uh, about moving this bill what would you say to them that the time is now that they have to exercise some type of courage they have to exercise some type of humanity and uh use their political capital they have to get in the area of joe biden the president and uh do what's necessary i hate to use the word oh when dealing with politicians but uh joe biden the president he owes it to uh, the black people in particular uh, to do something with regards to this law. 
uh, and we have to do our part in demanding that he hears our voices and demanding uh, that it gets passed. But that's what I would tell our leaders. The time is now. We can't wait any longer. You have what you need, which is uh, the people behind it. Let's get it done. All right. Gentlemen, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll go ahead and certainly do our part, push this out uh, to all of our platforms. And um, again, I didn't even realize that uh, that this thing was just waiting for them. And like I say, it's a no-brainer. Just get this done. Put it on the damn uh, schedule and vote on it. Ain't that hard. Thank you. All right. Thank you so very much. Thank you. All right, folks. Uh, the uh, trial of Kim Potter. She, of course, a former cop in Brooklyn Center who shot and killed Dante Wright is now in the hands of the jury. Uh, of course, you had uh, uh, all of the different uh, back and forth prosecution the defense laying their cases out. Both sides, uh, of course, uh, had one shot of convincing the, the primarily white, primarily white jury. Uh, of Potter's guilt or innocence. Now, prosecutors told Jewish during closing arguments that the shooting was entirely preventable. But Potter's attorney said, look, it was just a mistake and it wasn't a crime. For the holidays. But you know who won't be home for the holidays is Dante Wright. Dante Wright's parents, Katie and Aubrey Wright, will have an empty seat at their table this holiday season because the defendant shot and killed him on April 11th of this year. He was just 20 years old. He had a baby boy of his own. We're here today. We're here because the defendant, Kimberly Potter, a 26-year veteran of the Brooklyn Center Police Department pulled the wrong weapon and she shot and killed Dante Wright. It would have been inappropriate under the circumstances where she could and ultimately did disable the driver of a vehicle and which could and ultimately did injure other people like Elena Albrecht Payton, like the Lundgrens. That's why those policies exist, members of the jury. That's why you don't tase a fleeing suspect. That's why you don't tase the driver of a vehicle. So what's the point of all that evidence about proper use of a taser? Well, it goes to show that even the decision to use a taser was not a wise one. It goes to show that she made a series of bad choices that led to her shooting and killing Dante Wright. It goes to her disregard of all the risks. Members of the jury, this was no little oopsie. This was not putting the wrong, wrong date on a check. This was not entering the wrong password somewhere. This was a colossal screw up, a blunder of epic proportions. It was precisely the thing she had been warned about for years and she was trained to prevent it. It was irreversible and it was fatal. She shot Dante right in the chest. There's an old expression that actions speak louder than words. You all heard that. 
Here I think they both, both speak at the same volume. For her actions and words speak very loudly that she did not believe deadly force was necessary. She clearly said, taser, over and over. I'll tase you. I'll tase you. Taser, taser, taser. It's consistent with training. Training to provide notice to the subject and to other officers. She only pulled the trigger once. You heard testimony that that's what you do with a taser, not a handgun. During, she immediately, uh, and that's during, after she immediately expressed surprise that she had shot him, she immediately said she had pulled the wrong gun. She punctuated that admission with profanity, pulled the wrong fucking gun, she emphasized. She immediately expressed shock that she had done something so very wrong. Consider the real volume, if you will, of her reaction. She is distraught. She is beside herself. She questions how she could have done this. She collapses to the ground and admits how wrong her conduct was. I'm going to prison and I killed a boy. Is that the reaction of somebody who thought deadly force was really necessary? Also important is what she did not say. She never said, I had to shoot him or somebody could have gotten hurt, like her fellow officers, her police family. She didn't even take Sergeant Johnson's offer to say that when Sergeant Johnson said he was trying to drive away with me in the car, which isn't even true. But he offered that to her and she didn't even bite on it. She was so caught up in the recognition of the, of the wrongfulness of her own conduct. That says a lot right there, folks. Uh, we will let you know what happens uh, with uh, the jury when they come to a decision. All right, folks, I uh, got to go to break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk about um, not far from New Year's, of course. You got Christmas coming up. Our Fit Live Win segment, that's next. Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Our stories are told. Uh, thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roller. I love y'all. All momentum we have now 
We have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? this thing up so my guest uh he is uh uh with effect fitness in atlanta co-chief operating officer and master fitness coach reggie ball uh so reggie the previous idea that we would talk about i'm throwing out so i'm gonna actually throw you out with something different so so here's the deal i'm having to um self-isolate due to uh, a positive COVID test okay and uh and so the other people folks on my staff have to do the exact same thing right. other people out there who are being impacted uh, so, all right. Now, luckily, I got a gym that's right off of here. But let's just say, here you are. You're having to self-isolate. You're not walking around. Okay. Really, uh, uh, what what should a person be doing to ensure that they that they have mobility and they're not just pretty much sitting on the couch and laying in the bed uh, for seven to ten days? Well, number one, you got to download the Effect Fitness app. Uh, that's going to help you tremendously. But um, on the most okay, hold on. Now you say download. Okay, you say download the app. It's gonna help you tremendously. How? Absolutely. Well, you download the app. I mean, it's on all. Um, it's on the Apple, uh, the Google Play, the Apple Store. Um, it's available everywhere, so it, it's very uh, easy to use. Uh, we're upgrading it, uh, upgrading it daily, so we, we're steadily, steadily at work to make sure that when you are quarantining, you're at home, and you you know you're, you're not mobile, that you you have something to do. You have something that that'll keep you active. Uh, but more importantly, so, so, so what's so what's on the so what so what's on the app? So that way, okay. So so you're right. If I'm sitting in here and well, like I am, and you know, again, I've got. I mean, luckily, I got a pretty large uh, uh, basement. Uh, but uh, but again, uh, so so you're downloading. What am I looking at? What am I doing? Again, I can't do nothing for the next because because for me, they say you got isolate for ten days after your first symptom. That for me was Wednesday. So right. I'm pretty much here through Saturday. So right. I got six days in here. What, 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 what should I be doing? So it's a very fun and innovative boot camp class. So you will be moving. Um, you can actually perform these classes with very minimum weight. So if you don't have lightweights at home, you can use cans of soup, water bottles, or anything like that. If you don't have resistant bands, it doesn't matter. You're still going to feel that burn, and you're still going to be, more importantly, active. All right? So... Um, with our boot camp classes, again, it's with music, it's fun, it's very energetic, and we also uh, have people, you know, giving you live examples of uh, what we want and what we expect. And we're doing pretty good at it, man. But again, it's very easy and simple and fun to use. Okay, and so when we talk, when we talk about movement, we talk about uh, uh, doing things. Um, again, is it a matter of if you don't have a treadmill, are you saying, hey, you know what, create your own little track? Uh, are you talking about? Uh, are you talking about stretching? Are you talking about? Look, we ain't we ain't doing no burpees. I'm just letting you know right now. <laughs> so, 
you can work yourself to burpees now, Roland. You can do that. But yeah, if you have a treadmill, use it. You know what I'm saying? Keep it very simple. Um, especially if you're quarantining and you know this thing could be rolling back around to where we, everybody might be bumping down again. I'm not sure, but stay active. The most simplest thing you can do, even if it's walking up and down the stairs, just make it a game. Um, every commercial break, just get up and start moving. Um, again, if you have the Peloton, you have bikes, um, if you have roller skates, just move. Three to five days a week, move 30 minutes, just for 30 minutes. You'll, it, you'll be amazed at how much that, how much of a difference that'll make. All right then. Well, uh, look that it look it, look the, the movement is important. Uh, that's also uh, where uh, I, you know the, the fitness watches or I, I uh, you know the eye watch or whatever uh, the Apple Watch also matters because you're gonna be sort of be able to track your your body movement and track your steps too. Absolutely, absolutely. Control your dieting. Control your dieting. Women, twelve hundred calories a day. Men, two thousand calories a day. Just start there. Start there. Then download the app, get to moving with us, use your Peloton, use your treadmill, use your bikes, use your skates, whatever you got to do to start moving. But please address your diet. Ladies, 1,200 calories a day. Men, 2,000 calories a day. Just start there. Start there. All right, then. Okay. All right. Again, the name of the app, where people can get it. Effect on Demand, um, Apple Stores, Google Play. Everywhere you find any other app, man, we, we're there. Very easy to download, very easy to use. Please come see us. All right. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much. Thank you, Roland. All right, then. Uh, we are, of course, uh, first of all, uh, Omicongo, Jeff, uh, Julian. Uh, I want to thank you. We all been on here. Of course, we're totally virtual, uh, not only uh, because we just with me not being in the studio, uh, but also one of my staffers uh, also uh, tested positive wasn't with us last week and so the whole crew there uh also uh so yeah we're not gonna be back in the studio until uh, january 3rd uh and so um i was hoping uh to showcase uh folks our new new office space I'll show y'all what it looks like uh today but that's gonna be delayed so we'll do that uh come january 3rd i want to thank all three of y'all for being with us we really appreciate it thanks a so much thank, thank you Roland. Thank, thank you, you. Namaste, happy holidays happy new year all right likewise absolutely absolutely so uh folks that is it for us uh we'll see you guys tomorrow right here on roland martin unfiltered on the black star network uh of course remember you can download the app black star network tell a friend tell a family member all platforms you can download it to uh, your apple phone android phone apple tv android tv roku amazon fire stick samsung xbox as well and please support us, uh, Roland Martin, uh, uh, Brina Funk Fan Club, uh, Cash App, Dollar Sign, RM Unfiltered, uh, PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Uh, Folks, uh, uh, thank you uh, so um, uh, very much, folks. Uh, thank you for all the prayers and everything. Uh, I, I am getting better, so yeah, I, I, I am still suffering, but it's not like. Uh, I'm, look, here's the whole deal. I ain't hospitalized. Don't have shortness of breath, all this sort of stuff like that. So on the men, uh, but I do have everything down here. Uh, so uh, before I uh, came back yesterday, uh, I could not fly uh, from um, could not fly from Atlanta. So we took the roller mobile. We'd already driven up to Atlanta for all of our with all of our gear, and so there was a nine hour ride back. It wasn't bad. I watched a couple movies while I was uh, uh, coming back, uh, but. Uh, 
Uh, my wife, Jackie, she uh, moved a bunch of stuff down here. So y'all know I was like, okay, I need you to read my, my putting green. Uh, so my putting green is down here. Uh, my Need for Speed uh, video game is down here. It's the only video game that I play. Uh, that's the only one that I play. So that's down here. Uh, and luckily, uh, I got a kitchen down here as well. This was a hangout spot for my nieces uh, when they were here. So uh, they're, they're gone. So I got the 82-inch TV, the home studio down here. Uh, and so, yo, I'm good. I'm good. So trust me, we'll get the workout stuff in as well. Uh, and so I'm about to go fix me uh, some salmon uh, right now. All right. That's it. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Rolling right on through the Black Star Network. Holla! Peace out. I'm Arnaz Jake. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Stay woke. Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.